Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Today we'll have the toy man himself, Chris McQuillan, on, talking about their upcoming toy show next week, how you can go see it. Then we'll talk with actor Eleanor Lambert about her new movie she's got out. We'll also talk with actor Mina Sundwall about the brand new season of Lost in Space. All that and more, stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. Star Trek and Star Wars will try to explain There are 12 notches for Hogwarts houses on ring rolls and malls To be the greatest Pokemon master You must catch them all You must catch them all Try to catch them all Gotta catch And if you're driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, hearing us on the big 550 KTRS, thank you very much for tuning in. If you are listening to us out there in the world, on the World Wide Web, streaming us on the KTRS website, we appreciate your finding us there. And of course, if you're hearing us after the fact on Google or iTunes, wherever you get your podcast from, Thank you very much for finding us. Hopefully you subscribe there and giving us a nice five-star rating. That always helps us in the search engine results, and it kind of uh, boosts the show. So we thank you for doing that. We have a full show, a lot to cover, so we're going to go right to my first guest. He's been on with us before, the owner of Toy Man Toy Shows, the best place in the entire area to go. If you're looking for something for Christmas, this is the place you're going to want to hit. Chris McQuillan, how are you? Doing good. How about yourself, James? Doing well. Thanks so much for the time tonight. Um, another Toy Man. This is the last one of the year. It's kind of bittersweet. We know there will be more next year in 2022, but the Christmas show is always such fun. Oh, my gosh. Everyone at the Christmas show, whatever inventory, whatever vendors we have there during the Christmas show, if they specialize in NES games or they specialize in diecast cars, for Christmas, obviously, they come out and bring a bigger assortment in because they're trying to hit a, a broader uh, company base. You know, more more people looking for a broader item, not just Hot Wheels, not just diecast, not just Funko Pops, not just Barbies. So it's it's Christmas time, and, it's, and we say, you know, for kids. I don't know. Are you talking about eight years old? Or are you talking about eighty years old? <laughs> Where big kids go, go to play. That's our that's our logo. It's just that simple. Absolutely. And like you said, I I don't want to say the Christmas show is your best show because some of your summer shows have been awesome. You always have cool guests there and the vendors always try to mix up. I know we've had Spike on talking about the stuff he brings and how he kind of sorts out what he wants. But you've got some vendors who are there all the time. They're consistent. They'll mix up what they bring. So you might have gone to last month's and you'll see stuff at this one from the same vendors that you didn't see last time. And even if the same vendors are there. If they're selling like 80s toys and you don't see an ET toy, ask them, communicate with these guys. Because growing up, doing the shows across the country, yes, we, we brought the eight boxes of inventory. 
but there's always those other eight boxes we left at the house, and then the shows are constantly Toy Man's eight times a year. You go to ToyManShow.com. We have the 2022 schedule, Facebook, Toy Man Show. And you can find out all the different shows, and we try to switch up what vendors we have. But we also have authors that we change at. We have crafters that constantly has new stuff. We have artists and illustrators that do commission work, literally on the spot. You order your commission on one show, and guess what? Six or eight weeks, your commission's ready to be picked up, or in some cases, done later that day. Absolutely. It's uh, there's there's something for everyone, literally, like you said, eight to 80, because there's a broad range of stuff. You have the the die cast toys. There's the new stuff. There's Funko Pops. There's people with Beanie Babies. I saw Beanie Babies there last time, but they've got people like Tom Stockman has old board games. So there's a huge variety that covers the entire range and gamut of anything you could think. It's more I, I, I would I would almost call it a pop culture sale because they've got a lot of toys. But there's also little things I saw, like some guy had a Pac-Man lunchbox from the 80s metal lunchbox that was so cool and especially with christmas a lot of people you know supply chain issues people are wondering what to get people this is the perfect show to go to if you're looking for a unique gift for somebody that you can surprise them with this christmas so it's perfect timing to have the show oh yes definitely and i mean any business would sit there and say hey i'm going to put a video on youtube and promote the toy man show you know what i don't do that because you know why a lot of collectors, if you go on YouTube right now and you type in Toy Man, T-O-I-M-A-N St. Louis or Toy Man Bridgeton or Toy Man Show, you will find all these videos not drop, downloaded by myself or my staff, but by collectors. Yeah. Ray Castile, who did a In Love With Toys back in 95, he just did a new one that just was released like a couple months ago, like six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, when he kind of redid a recap of the last several years. And you can just watch these videos, and you're like, these weren't promoted by Toy Man or my staff. These are promoted by collectors that literally are recording it and putting it on YouTube. So don't take my testament. Look at the testament of the collectors that are putting YouTube videos out there. And it's like, you've got to check out Toy Man. I mean, this show coming up, 142 vendors, wow. 230 tables on two floors. And that's, if that's people, remarkable. If people have not been to a toy man before, they're hearing this and they're excited now for this Christmas show. What can they expect? Man, instead of you know, gas prices are hitting three and four dollars a gallon, yeah. three dollars a gallon in some places. Instead of driving, I and not to knock the WalMarts and Targets and all that, but for five dollars you come in, you're going to hit two hundred plus tables of probably that Funko Pop that you've been missing. That's a specialized one, if not. Several of my toy vendors actually have toy shops in St. Louis. So not only are you going to not just connect with my toy vendors at Toy Man, you're going to connect with their stores also. The shops are in South County, South St. Louis, and St. Charles. All those are included. Those vendors are there. So they're going to have the, you know, they may have their shops, but they're going to have special prices at the show because they're there. They're in front of you. And you're going to find even LOL dolls. You may find your Barbies, uh, a collector's Barbie. And, you know, they might have sold for 30 or $40 on eBay, but you're going to sell it for 20 or 25 because you're going to get it at Toy Man where it's cash and carry. You know it's not going to come in your mailbox smashed. Right. You know the condition. Right. Yeah, that is huge because I've seen so many people on Instagram post horror stories. They got the G.I. Joe exclusive figures from Walmart, and they arrived crunched, the cards bent, and it's heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. And it's, this is something, like I said, you can look at the condition of the item you're getting right there and walk out the door with it. You're all set. 
I think another thing that makes Toy Man so much fun is, you know, it's you and I talking, but if you're listening to this right now, it's not just boys' toys. There are My Little Ponies, like you mentioned, Barbies. There's all sorts of stuff for every age, every gender, anything you can think of. There's, There's a huge variety. I can't overstate that enough. Oh, yeah. It's toys of all ages. All groups of individuals. I mean, literally. I mean, our, our we had a contest a while back, and different sayings for toy men. It's like you go over big kids go to play, and literally, eight to eighty. It's just unbelievable. I mean, if it's anything from girls' toys to boys' toys to adult toys. I mean, all the GI Joes from the you know sixties and seventies is vintage stuff. Like you said, Spike will have his. Uh, Tom Stockman's there. You know, you have. You know, all the different toy shops that you have, Toys of Our Youth in St. Charles, they have a thing there. Uh, Time Warp Toys in South County, they have a booth there. I mean, these people have stores, but they have a table of Toy Man. Why? Because they're connecting with fellow collectors. And if you think you're not a collector, if you, if you in, this, in this radio show, you're sitting there going, I need to find that Captain America and Funko Pop, or I need to find that Iron Man action figure. You know what? If Toy Man doesn't have it, then you're not asking the right people because you're going to find it. And it's yep. not eventually. Yeah, exactly right. There's such a variety, and there's so many people, and people from all over the area, not just from St. Louis. There are people coming in from other parts of the country for this show because it's so big, it's so incredible, and it's a lot of fun just walking around and seeing uh, the people's faces like, oh, my gosh, I had that when I was little, or the little kid saying, Mommy, that's such a cool toy, and they're seeing this toy from the 80s or 90s that that parent mm-hmm. used to have. It's, 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 uh, it's just fun to people watch, and, of course, all the great stuff you're going to find there. Before we let you go, tell people if they want to find out more, what are the best places for them to go so they can get more information before they come visit Toy Man next week? Okay, you can go to the website, toymanshow.com, or you can go on Facebook. You find us on, under one word, Toy Man Show. If you Google anything online, Toy Man Show or Toy Man STL, you'll find me. My name is Chris Toy Man McQuillan. You'll find me on Facebook. I'm a public person. You can just find, go on YouTube, look at the, just look at the comments, just, you can just, it's notorious, uh, even Twitter and Instagram, 20 Man St. Louis. You'll find this out there. And these aren't posts that we're generally putting. These are the fellow collectors, yeah. people that are coming that's like unbelievable that they said, I haven't been in years and I'm definitely going to come back. We, like you said, we have collectors from all over the area Iowa, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio. We have some from time to time from Oklahoma. We have some time to time to come from Texas. So we have, it's not just the collectors in the, in like in the Midwest. It, it, they come from all over. And that's vendors and collectors, both sides. That's absolutely right. It's a great time at Toy Man Toy Show all the time. And we're always happy to have you on to promote the show. Again, it's this it's a week from today, I should say. I was going to say this coming Sunday, but a week yeah. from today, which is December the 12th. And it's the Bridgeton Machinist Hall right there at 270 and the Rock Road. Chris McQuillan, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for your time today. Hey, I want to mention one more thing. Don't forget, we're doing a collection for the Toys for Tots. The children of St. Louis are very, very important. And we're, this is our 12th year of being a collecting site for Toys for Tots. So that's always been a great thing to help out the children of St. Louis. Definitely. Bring something with you to drop off for the Toys for Tots or find something while you're there and just drop it in the barrel on your way out. Uh, Chris McQuillan, this has been great. Thanks so much. No problem. Have a good evening. You too. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. There he goes, Chris McQuillan. We're going to take our next quick break. Come right back and chat with actor Eleanor Lambert. After this, please stand by. Hi, this is Shin Han from Ghost in the Shell, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. 
And we're back. My thanks again to my last guest, Chris McQuillan, for being on air again. Don't forget to go to the Toy Man Toy Show if you're in the greater St. Louis area, December 12th, next Sunday. It is a great time. You can check out the Facebook page. Just look up Toy Man St. Louis, and you'll find him there. Uh, With that said, we've got two more guests to go, so let's get right into it. Right now we're talking to Eleanor Lambert about a brand new movie, Time Now. You can catch it on demand or in theaters. Eleanor, how are you? Hi, James. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Uh, This is such a cool movie. I saw, I haven't, I'll be full honest, I haven't seen the movie itself, but I watched the trailer four or five times, and there's little things I picked up each time I've watched it. Thanks. Yeah, the trailer is sick. Sorry to interrupt. I just thought that they did such a great job with the trailer. No, it's great because you get a very good flavor for the movie, but it doesn't give anything away. It like kind of makes you want to find out where it's going. And uh, especially this time of year, the fall years when, you know, the the murder and the death kind of movies kind of resonate. People want to go out and be a little frightened, be a little thrilled. Talk a little bit about, let's start at the beginning. Talk a little bit about being cast in the movie. What was the casting process like for you? Totally. Well, I am just, you know, I'm the the luckiest girl alive. And Spencer called me directly and said, Eleanor, would you be interested in reading my script? And I think you would make an excellent Jenny. And I just was like pinching myself because I couldn't believe it. You know, I was six months into my acting training, which I keep saying this, but in the Meisner technique, it is pretty much an untraining that whole first year. So it was definitely, I was, I was like, are you you sure you called the right Eleanor? (laughs) (laughs) But it was, so, so that was the beginning process. And then once some Claudia was on board, which was the coolest freaking thing ever. She's such a master of the craft and just such a fantastic human. Um, Spencer and Claudia and I were able to, get on lots of phone calls together before production started and really get into the, the, the headspace of the characters and understand, you know, sort of the nuances of the script. And so that sort of was beyond the casting process, but it was the pre-production was honestly, we were so lucky. We had so much, you know, time and, 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 and Spencer was so clear in his vision and, and the choices that he wanted to make. And so we got a great understanding of how to best, you know, all come together and, and realize his vision while keeping it, you know, authentic to each other and ourselves. So yeah, it was awesome. And you mentioned Spencer King. I, I always think yeah. it's, it's interesting when a person is able to write and direct their own film, it feel like they have their own personal brand on it even more. And it really kind of helps bring their vision more to life. Me not that it can't too. be the other way, not that it can't be the other way, but it seems like that definitely right. helps in this case. Totally. I completely agree. I think it's so it's it, it's so amazing to see somebody who's able to also to, you know, I think when you're working on something that long, Spencer started writing this in 2016 oh, and wow. we didn't film it until 2019 and it's not coming out until, you know, 2021. So I think it speaks to his dedication to the craft and to the creative process that he was, he was so, you know, it's very hard to kill your darlings as the saying goes it's very hard you get really attached to the work that you've been doing and the ideas that you have and he was he was so open not that anything drastic happened but I just I just remember being really impressed with his ability to to stay really open despite having you know been working on this for so long and you know sometimes you can kind of get stuck in an idea and he was super super flexible and creative and like oh what if we did this and oh that's so cool and okay now let's try this and 
And yeah, and then finally, to your point, I, oh my God, to write your own thing and direct your own thing, that is just so impressive mm-hmm. to me. So yeah, yeah, it was it was amazing to behold and to be a part of, no doubt. And as I was looking over your IMDb page, you've got a couple of Paris Can Wait was great. That's a great movie. Uh, oh my gosh. You know what my role was in Paris Can Wait? I went into the bathroom at the Coppola's house and recorded with a sound guy a voicemail that I was supposed to be like the outgoing voicemail of the daughter in the movie. <laughs> that was my role. <laughs> but, but it was name, amazing. Did you have your name attached to a project? Like that? And then the, you've done a couple of those short ones as well. But then time now, this is really kind of like almost, I guess, I wouldn't say it's your debut, but it's really kind of showcasing oh, I, you. I, yeah, so This is, this definitely. is your, uh, your time to shine. So was, was there any feeling of pressure being that this is your lead in this movie or anything like that? I would say yes, on the one hand. And then um, I was very lucky that this was my first project because it was such a communal effort. I mean, obviously, you know, as I said, this is Spencer's baby and uh, several folks had been signed on for a long time and, and dedicated to this. But it was so amazing to be on a set where everybody wants to be there. Everybody is helping each other and trying to understand each other and for me to be able to be have that much time in front of the camera, but also to be able to integrate into a set like that, that mm. just felt so good. It felt like a family. It felt like home. And by the end of day one, we were like laughing and giggling and having the best time together. And so that is just the best in terms of that energy. You don't often get that. And so to 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 feel safe like that safe to play and slightly you know there's just slightly less pressure you know it's not this big massive blockbuster and that's certainly not no shade at all I mean it was a passion project times a million and it and it took it took such you know dedication and talent and skill from everybody involved but it was it was kind of the most perfect first you know, lead. And first I could, I would agree with you. I would consider this sort of, you know, my, my debut, if you will. Yeah. Um, interesting so too. I got really lucky. Yeah. I was just, as you say that this is your debut. When you think of other actors, their debut films, we have uh, Jane Seymour from live and let die. We had uh, Johnny Depp got his start in nightmare on Elm street, Viggo Mortensen from the prophecy. I feel like right. I'm getting it on the ground floor that your career is only going to skyrocket from here. And I'm getting oh to talk God. to you. So for me, this is this is a great honor to speak with you as you oh as to watch you climb from here will be great. You are so kind. Thank you for saying that. Well, your your mouth to the universe's ear, right? <laughs> May it be so. <laughs> and I, I was looking over your uh, IMDb page, too, and you started out at NYU. You were doing music writing for the Village Voice. So you're covering bands and albums and and doing reviews of uh, festivals and things like that. It doesn't sound like acting was necessarily your first choice. Maybe it was writing or something was it did uh, right. when you went there originally. What were you going for? Um, so I, I went to the Gallatin program, which was an individualized major um, program, which is really, really cool. But for someone who was as undecided as me, it was a sort of daunting. T- I mean, college is daunting, period, sure. even when you know what you want to do. So when I went into a program where it was like, do whatever you want, I was like, I don't know what I want. <laughs> um, but so, yes, I, 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 I did focus on journalism just because I love to write. I believe that cultural, you know, critique and and 
um, just uh, how to put that. Yeah, cultural critique is really important and allowing, you know, flipping certain narratives into a new perspective is what I love to do is look at it from as many different angles as possible. Um, and writing at the Village Voice was like the freaking coolest thing ever. I was yeah. like 19 years old, talking to some of my, you know, DJs who I'd been listening to since I was 13. And it was just so amazing to be doing that. And, you know, with acting, I think I just had a very singular experience. Obviously, I grew up both my parents actors. And, uh, you know, so acting, I just didn't, I didn't get exposed to acting as the art form until much later in my life. My dad and I would go see these, like, you know, the most ridiculous, pure entertainment value films. That's what we like to do together. And so movies and acting were either like, whatever my parents are doing when they leave for three months, or this like super silly fun time. And of course I had seen beautiful films growing up but i i registered that as more like the exception rather than the rule just because of just because of what i had been exposed to and it wasn't until much later i met my boyfriend and he's an actor as well and he had a relationship to you know his sides and his scripts that i'd never seen before and i was so I was really moved and really curious about like, I was like, what is going on with you? Like this is, you are something amazing is happening inside and I can tell. And so he, he was sort of the one that introduced me to the craft and the art form of acting and the, you know, the ability for, for actors to be a vessel in honoring, you know, human experience and portraying reality in, in a, you know, myriad ways. And with your both your parents being big box office stars, it doesn't sound like there was pressure on you that you had to go into the family business, but it also sounds like it did help kind of guide you in a way that you wanted to go into this uh, this world of acting. It definitely, I mean, you know, it definitely was something that I felt at least slightly prepared for just because of the proximity and that, you know, like I had been on film sets before, right. <laughs> like, you know, just been exposed to just some of those things, but no, there was definitely no pressure. I mean, my parents are two of, I'm, I'm so blessed to have such loving, supportive and, and encouraging parents. You know, they very much were like, you get to have agency over your life and what you'd like to do with it. And that also set me up to be able to explore some interests before, you know, I think our culture and our schools and our systems, you know, require of us or ask of us to make decisions for the rest of our lives when we're like 17 and 18 and 19. And yeah. I think, you know, that's intense. And that has been, you know, over the last 10 years since I, um, started college. I, you know, graduated and since I've graduated and all of that, but 10 years ago, you know, it was when I, 2011 was when I started and, you know, my interests have exploded. It's not, it's only now that I'm like, I know what I would do with my undergrad degree <laughs> like, <laughs> 10 years later. So in that sense, I, I was incredibly blessed and privileged to have been able to have some time to really make that decision consciously. And going back to talk about the film Time Now, you mentioned you guys started yes. filming this in 2019. Did the pandemic yes. interrupt the filming at all? Because I've, I've talked to people who started filming stuff right as outbreak <laughs> happened before, and then they had to shut down because right. things were still going on. Uh, right, did, right, did right, right. affect the timeline very much? No, thankfully not, at least not the production. I'm sure maybe a little bit of the uh, 
post-production process just because everything kind of ground to a halt. Yeah. Understandably so. Um, I mean, everyone was in the middle of something in March of 2020, right? <laughs> um, but, but no, no, thankfully it did not. And it was, I mean, we were in Detroit in as spring was springing and it was just, it was amazing to be in that city. I'd never really gotten to spend so much time in Detroit specifically. It's been some time in other parts of Michigan, but it was amazing to be in that city. And, you know, and it's cool because we, we shot the whole film in 15 days. (laughs) So we didn't get very much time, like leisure time to go and explore, but we shot in such, you know, amazing and foundational spots of the city like the j uh the king's bookstore and like the john i think it's like john k king i could be butchering that and showing my ass but anyway i'm 90 percent sure that's the name and it's uh it was just it was just so cool I, I felt so privileged to actually be able to work in a in the city and get to see so much of the city just through the just through the process of filming and the yeah, backdrop really of Detroit cool. for time now being the setting, I, I, I don't know if another city would have fit the script as I well. Know. And it, it may have yeah. just been his original desire to have it set in that area. If he was, you know, obviously when Spencer wrote it, but it, it almost, the city is almost a character in and of itself, the way it plays out in the totally. story. <laughs> I love that. That is so true. Absolutely. And you're right. No, he wrote it with the intention of it always being in Detroit. Okay. Spencer lived in Detroit for about five years and he just loved it. And he really immersed himself into so many different, you know, components of that geography and the culture and, and the city itself. And so it was awesome to do it there. He knew all the spots he wanted to go and where would be the grittiest and how to light it properly. And like, it was very cool. He, he knew what he wanted. And I love that about Spencer. He, he had such clear vision. He set out the parameters and then he was like, now go play. Yeah. And which you, is just the dream. You mentioned working with Claudia too on this film, which uh, it's just the the cast and everything. It, it, this for being as we've just discussed earlier, your basically debut. What an incredible cast! What a what a great Ugh, film to have launch everything for you. This this has got to be Absolutely. almost surreal to you. Totally, completely surreal. And also to speak to, you know, the cast was so excellent and the characters were so clear. And I think that that's what I loved and what drew, what drew me to time now is how amazing these characters were written and portrayed to show the wide expanse of responses that people have to a single event and particularly a single tragic and traumatic event. And so I think that, you know, it couldn't have been portrayed better by these, by, by our, by our cast and by the writing. And that's what I loved about the story is like, yeah, Jenny's the Jenny, we follow Jenny, but Jenny takes us into the lives and into the psyches in, in a lot of ways of so many other of the, of the other characters in the, in the film. And I think and that's what really I loved. People will like this movie so well. Is it's, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of different people on different levels too. There's the family yeah. aspect. There's people who've experienced loss, but there's also people who like that thrill, that adrenaline kind that you'll get from the film, which I think it makes it very universal. And we're going to come right back and continue chatting with Eleanor Lambert right after this. Please stand by. Hi, this is Dean Devlin, director of Bad Samaritan, and you are listening to Geek to Me Radio. Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio, the show that would not be possible without the support of our premier sponsor. That's the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. 
You might know them from the website, discoverstcharles.com. Finishing up their second weekend of Christmas traditions. They had breakfast with Santa this morning out there. And, of course, a full-fledged weekend of fun interacting with the likes of Ebenezer Scrooge and Bob Marley. You have uh, you can interact with the Nutcracker Prince, the Sugar Plump Berry, and Air Drosselmeyer in the Land of the Sweets. Talk to Jack Frost and his frozen friends out there, the Singing Snowmen. A great time has had. I just walked up and down the street, saw smiles all over the faces of the families who are walking up and down the streets. It's picturesque. It's wonderful. The weather couldn't have been better this weekend. Might get a little colder in the coming weekends, but a little snow actually adds to the magic. A little bit of uh, London charm in this Victorian-style area. It's a lot of small businesses down there that have a lot of great items for sale. You can go browse, uh, buy some special Christmas presents. You can eat at one of the many restaurants they have down there with all sorts of different food. Probably something to fit every single taste, I would imagine, between the items on North and South Main. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. You're supporting these small businesses. You're getting out there with a family event. It's just a good old-fashioned holiday celebration. You can plan your trip now. Go to discoverstcharles.com at Discover. STCharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. Very proud to have them as the official premier sponsor here on Geek to Me Radio. Before we took that last break, we were chatting with actor Eleanor Lambert, and we asked her about the universal appeal of her movie that's out time now. Yeah, so true. Well said. Like there's there's uh, there's a character in there for for everybody. You've got the person diving into the work, the person taking on the burden, the person ca- taking care of everybody else. And so you do kind of get I love that. Very well said. I'm in total agreement. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool yourself on that one <laughs> I, I, that, that'll go on the dust jacket when, when the book eventually comes out that i talk about my interviews that'll be <laughs> <laughs> yes perfect <laughs> and what else so obviously you've got uh you know your entire career ahead of you what do you envision mm. for yourself as an actor going mm. forward is it just you know what you're going to take whatever comes are there certain avenues you want to explore at this moment in my life and my quote career, I am just so excited to work. Um, as I said, you know, when I did this, I was so early on in my training and now I'm really excited because I do feel like, you know, I've got some more tools in my tool belt that I can work with and I'm really excited. So no, I mean, I'm not, I just did my first stage performance. I was part of a short play that was part of the New York Theater Festival, which was just last week and it was awesome and it was really intense and I'd never (laughs) done it before and it was totally freaky, but I loved it. I really did. Um, and then no, so I'm I'm just open. I'm excited to work. I really am. And um, so no, I don't have a specific avenue just because I, I'm excited to just. It's more of one of those things where it's like you know, sure, I have I have ideals, but I want to work. Yeah. So I'm just excited to get working. And you know, the goal for me as an actor is to, like I said, honor human experience Mm -hmm. and create opportunities for more empathy and compassion and curiosity between people and the stories that are being told and the people who are in the rooms ensuring that the stories are told in the best and truest way that those are projects I would just be so excited to be a part of are, you know, people, people whose they're telling their story. It's not someone else trying to tell somebody else's story. And so to be able to be trusted to help bring something 
to life like that, you know, that's, that's the goal is, you know, to, to help uh, imbue viewers with a sense of curiosity and compassion for people and for their experiences. I will say Uncorked Entertainment and Dark Star Pictures do a great job of bringing films just like that description you gave to the public. So I'm very excited for people to spend time now. I know. I'm so, I just, it's so cool. It's like, you know, after, after three and a half years and it's getting to see the light of day, I'm just like, ah, it's crazy. It's so cool. And I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but out of curiosity, COVID obviously threw a wrench into everyone's plans. Did, was there already a premiere for you guys for this movie? Is there a premiere plan for anything like that? So as far as we know, I mean, the premiere seems to have been the Austin Film Festival. That was its sort of its debut. Um, And I was, of course, of course, you know, the New York Theater Festival spans a month and the festival spans a week and they perfectly overlap. So I could not attend the premiere. I know. But, you know, like the whole point of all those things is to keep working. So I was like, hey, I got work. So that's exciting. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, TBD would be very cool if there was another one so I could get to, you know, reunite with all the, all the friends again. But at the moment, I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, hopefully yeah. something like that would come up. And uh, yeah, this has hope so. been such a great time to talk to you again. Time now from Uncorked Entertainment and Dark Store Pictures. It's on demand and in the theaters if you're listening to this right now. So go check that out. Where can people find you if they want to keep up with you? Websites, social media handles, things like that? Oh, I'm on Instagram. My my, um, Instagram is LO underscore kitty, like hello, but without the H. There's a nickname. It's just stuck. (laughs) But if you search Eleanor Jasmine Lambert, which is my full name, I'll also come up. So Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today. Continued success My pleasure, to you, James. Sure. Thank you for a lovely chat. Uh, yeah, not at all. I'm sure we'll hear much, much more from you. So please come back on the show when you want to promote something else. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> There she goes, Eleanor Lambert. Very excited to have her on. That's the daughter of Christopher Lambert and Diane Lane. Brand new movie, Time Now. Make sure you check that out, video and on demand. I'm going to take my next commercial break. We'll come right back and talk with the star of Lost in Space, Legends of Tomorrow, and more, Mina Sunwal. Please stand by. Hi, everybody. This is Maria Canals Barrera. I voice Talk Girl on the Justice League, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Welcome back to geek to me Radio here on the Big 550 KTRS. Want to make sure you check out a brand new comic book store that's in town, Bugs Comics and Games. You definitely want to check this place out if you're a fan of comic books. It's in O'Fallon, and he has a special club you can join called the Avengers Club. That will allow you to get a percentage off the books you buy each month. You come in and get new books. If you're buying your new books anyway, you may as well get a discount price on them. Uh, Bugs Comics used to be in Florissant. This was a place, picture me as a little tiny 14-year-old boy riding my bike through all sorts of weather to get up to West Florissant to go buy my comic books. Uh, Larry Quiggins, the owner, that's the person who's also running the new Bugs Comics. It's a great place. Larry knows the stuff. It was so awesome to be in the store because I was just in there Thursday and a mother and son came in and they were looking through stuff and Larry saw me and said, what are you looking for? And she said, well, he likes Spider-Man. So Larry comes out from behind the counter, starts flipping through the back issues. Okay, here's an old web of Spider-Man annual. If you like the Ant-Man movie, Ant-Man's in this one. He'll like that. Flip through some more. Hey, if you like a newer Spider-Man story, here's this one. Start pulling out comics 
and they weren't like the high dollar comics. These are like, you know, he's got the uh, you know $3 bin, he's got the $5 bin, and it was great to see this kid's face light up as Larry hands him a comic book store, I'm sorry, <laughs> a comic book out of the, out of the bin. Uh, that's not something you'll get at a lot of comic book stores. A lot of people will push the new titles, they'll push whatever's hot, they'll say, oh yeah, look at this, but it's that extra level that Larry goes. You can check out the Facebook page, and you should go give them a like there, Bugs comics and games uh make sure you go to the facebook page give the page a like and of course go visit bugs comics you can check them out uh the website is bugscomicsandgames.com and you can uh, join the avengers club right there if you go out in store say hey i want to join the avengers club tell them what character you want to be you'll get your avengers priority identicard and he will hook you up with a character and you'll start getting discounts on your brand new comics lots of great back issues too it's just so much fun to be in an old-fashioned comic book shop larry knows the stuff tim's getting all the stuff up online so it's this great merger of worlds and it's absolutely brilliant so check him out bugs comics and games for the best comic book experience in the entire St. Louis area. With that said, we have another guest as we wrap the show up here, Mina Sundwall. You'll know her from Legends of Tomorrow, Lost in Space. I had the chance to sit down and chat with her for a while about the new series, the final series of Lost in Space that just dropped on Netflix as of December 1st. Here's my chat with her. Right now we're talking with actor Mina Sundwall about her role as Penny Robinson in the third and final season of Lost in Space. Mina, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. I appreciate the time. It's very exciting. This is our uh, final season of Lost in Space. So it's kind of sad that it's the final season, but I do like it when a TV show has a direction and a purpose and they go out of their own accord. So that's got to be great to be part of a project that you've had this great arc on. Yeah, absolutely. And given the context of the world right now, and especially when we started filming, we're grateful that we got a third season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Regardless. So for sure, I'm really glad that we got to end the story in the way we did. And growing up on the show, essentially, because you started out, I think you were roughly 15 when you started filming. And now you're 20. The final season's out. Were you, uh, well, kind of go back a little bit. Did you, did they start you out by saying, Hey, here's what the original show was. Did you, were you aware of the show? Did you watch any of it before going in or did they not want you to have preconceived notions about what your character would be? Um, I don't know if they wanted me or not to watch the show. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I hadn't seen it before I booked this one I knew of danger will Robinson it was kind of in conversation but I went back and and watched the whole original series when I was going to do this one and was were any of your character choices uh, influenced at all by what you'd seen or was it pretty much what you brought to the role and the script that you were given it's a lot about the script that we were given it's definitely a different show Um, the writers pulled parts of the original that I really loved, the aspects of hope and family and working together and drive, but it's a different show. It's a, there's a different tone to the show and each of the characters have a different feel. So it was more about these scripts and what this character represented rather than making a a comparison or a parallel to the original. Absolutely. I'm always fascinated by the audition process because obviously you'd been acting for quite a while before this. Uh, you're 15. You get called in. Talk a little bit about auditioning. Was Penny the part you originally read for? Did you read for Judy? Or how did you end up getting the part of Penny Robinson? 
Yeah, I did originally read for Penny. Um, the audition process was pretty standard. I did a self-tape at home originally, and it was the scene with Judy when she's stuck under the ice and I'm reading Moby Dick. Mm -hmm. And I remember my parents and I didn't know the context of the show yet, and we hadn't read the episode. I only had the scene that I was doing. And so we put uh, our bed sheets over the dining table to kind of mimic an iceberg situation and <laughs> Um, and Zach, our showrunner, still laughs about that to this day. And then I was called into L.A. to do a callback read-through with the writers in the room and our showrunner. And that audition, I was sure I would never get it. I was sure I'd lost it. Mm. I forgot all of my lines. I met Zach for the first time in that room. And I was so nervous I couldn't remember anything. And they quite literally had to print out the sides for me to <laughs> review. And I was like, I'm done. There's no way I could ever get this. Um, and then I guess something in how I handled the situation was very penny, which was probably very messy and making too many jokes out of nervousness. <laughs> so um, something in that red penny um, and I got the call. So it was a pretty it was a pretty standard audition process. Decider.com had a great article calling Penny the best Robinson, and I like the way they listed it out because they, they say in this article they could have gone the Jan Brady middle child route, but Penny has really oh. uh, kind of held her own. She's kind of forged her own path, and I think that's one of the things that makes Penny so relatable to the audience watching Lost in Space. Yeah, that's one thing that I loved about her, and I'd spoken with the writers about making that part of her own hero's journey is that because she is the oddball in her family. She never, especially season one and season two, I didn't really know even me what her purpose was or what she could contribute in a way that made her as equally important as everybody else. She wasn't a Navy SEAL. She's not a rocket scientist or an action hero. Um, and being true to herself led her on her own hero's journey because that in season three is really what helps her contribute and helps her save the day in her own way. She is definitely her power is in empowering others, which is another kind of saving the world. Yeah. And um, being able to follow her journey through that was something that I loved from the beginning. And I'm so glad to see that people who love the show love that about her because I think that can be difficult sometimes to not put up a front for anybody else if it would be easier and if you could recognize that it would be easier to fit in yeah and i'm sure it's obviously a, a good just a great writing team can make uh, anything perfect but then it takes the actor such as yourself to kind of give that role life and breathe it into it and you could have this could have easily gone where penny is very petulant and she's taking these risks but between the way it's written and the way you perform it it does come off as very heroic and just it, it, it you really root for penny i think sometimes more than any other robinson in, in many aspects thank you i appreciate that we definitely have a great writing team and they were very open to um talking through and understanding moments for all of us it wasn't quite this is what we're doing and there's no other option we never had that um so i'm grateful for that i, I started ad-libbing in season one and that kind of carried through to season three perhaps <laughs> <laughs> and so i'm very grateful for the writers that we have to have let me done that <laughs> some of the best lines in movies i mean you always see these articles pop up from buzzfeed some of the best lines are improv lines uh, how many how often are that like a percentage wise how often do the ad lib lines actually get to be the ones we've seen from you in lost in space oh there are quite a few that that snuck their way in there i don't know <laughs> 
I don't remember percentage wise, but a couple of the ones that uh, are my favorites in the show just ended up happening on the day. It was it sometimes it was even something that Zach made a joke about and I ended up doing in a take. Maybe it would have been funny. Maybe they would have used it and they ended up using it. Um, it's like bumper cars where everybody dies was ad lib. <laughs> That's I, great. I think. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a combo of the two for sure. I didn't go completely off script. <laughs> I know my lines. <laughs> right. That's important. That's definitely important. With such a, <laughs> yeah. with such a serious, uh, it was lighthearted series, but it's very, um, high stakes. Then you go to playing Lita on legends of tomorrow, which is much different of a tone of show. Cause it's mm-hmm. very fun. It pokes fun at itself. That has to be as an actor, very rewarding to be able to have such a range to go from Penny Robinson to playing Lita on Legends. Yeah, it was great. That show and that cast is so much fun. And the crew is so lovely and so much fun to work with. Um, The energy that you see on screen is very much was my experience off screen. It was funny and energetic and I had a really good time. It was great. Yeah. And having started hitting the ground running as the original cast in Lost in Space, were there any nerves coming into an established cast, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, playing this part? Were there any nerves on your part at all? Um, I think there are some nerves going into anything, but nothing heightened specifically because it was an established cast. It was a different experience, for sure, going into a story that they were established and they had already been shooting that season. I came in the middle of the season. Um, it was a different experience, but it wasn't, you know, better or worse in any way. I was equally as excited. Both very plucky characters you get to play. Who would win in a fight, Lita or Penny, do you think? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> Who would win in a fight? Well, that depends if Lita has her dad's flame gun and right. if Penny has her Navy SEAL family, <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be uh, more about whose turf are we on. <laughs> That's true. The home court advantage can often make a difference. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Putting Lita on an alien planet may not be the best idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> Talking about directing, I know you've recently been directing as well. Is that something that uh, throughout your career you kind of had a a hankering to do? Is it something that just recently come about as a passion for you? It's definitely something I've had a hankering to do for a while. When I was little, I always had to tell stories. There's something about me that I just can't turn it off. I have to tell stories. And The way that I was telling stories when I was very young, I don't think I realized was directing, but in a way it was. Hmm. I mean, myself for my parents, you know, but um, it's something I've always wanted to do. And it's a different way to approach a story and be able to have control in a different sense. So I'm hoping that's something that's that's a that's a long road to tiptoe my way down (laughs) and there's a lot of people who become very comfortable on both sides of the camera if you were at this point in your career forced to say hey acting or directing do you know if you'd want to take one path over the other at this point oh no i don't know yet i think it might be a little too early to decide i'm at the point where i'm still jittery and excited about doing either of them at any point in time 
So I, I don't think I can take quite a stance yet. <laughs> gotcha. Well, we'll check back then and see how you feel in a couple more years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and talking back, if we go back to Lost in Space, we would just watch the first episode. I try to pace myself. I know all the episodes drop at once, but then I feel like I binged it. And then I feel like, you know, the fat kid who just ate an entire pumpkin pie. So I try to <laughs> binge myself out a little bit. We, we just watched the first episode and the first scene where you guys are scaling the mountain and everything, all this stuff goes down. On set, when you're filming that, obviously when we're visualizing after the fact, special effects have been added and everything like that, it seems very tense. When you're doing a scene like that, obviously you're probably not that high up the ground, there's green screen. Is it fun? Do you feel it's very technical, those types of scenes? Or how do you approach the big, momentous, action-packed scenes like that? I find them really fun. I think everybody has a different attitude towards it in a way, but... I thought they were fantastic. I actually quite like when a scene is very specifically choreographed because I think when there are grounding points that I know I have to hit, I have the freedom to do whatever I need to do in between them. Mm. Um, so I really loved it. And I had never done a stunt like that before for the show. So it was something new and exciting. And I actually felt kind of equally as nervous as Penny would be um, in that scenario, not quite for the sake of, falling off and potentially falling to your death, but more for the sake of uh, <laughs> looking like I was knowing what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. um, but I thought it was great. I loved it. And we got to do training with wire work beforehand with our stunt team who are incredible and so much fun to work with. So we knew we were very supported um, and they had done it in a way that was also fun and never boring or too technical. With working on this, you've obviously gotten a lot of great experience uh, early in your career, too. Like I said, my God, my goodness, you're only 20. Uh, you've got all this great experience with the stunt work, the wire work. You've gotten to direct. You've, uh, you've been with uh, other cast members. You're learning new things. What is your biggest takeaway from Lost in Space? Like, obviously, on a personal level, it's a great project you've gotten to, to work on. Your personal takeaway, what has been your biggest learning point or growth point having worked on this series? I think having done so many new things consecutively and having to catch up quite a lot in mm. a short amount of time, especially season one, the biggest lesson I learned is that I would always rather give 100% and fall flat on my face than give 50% out of fear of embarrassment. Yeah. Um, because there are times when you're doing things that are new that you feel ridiculous. Green screen acting can feel ridiculous sometimes because you have <laughs> no idea what it's going to look like. <laughs> you have no idea what you're going to do. Um, but in a show like this where there's so much going on, you just got to go with it and have fun. And then at the end of the day, there are so many other elements around that are beyond your control. I think that's the, the thing that I learned the most. Uh, for me personally that I carry, you know, in life in general. Looking at some of the stuff you have going forward, I noticed it's you're listed as a psychology major, which I have a soft spot for. That's one of my degrees that I got. And I think oh, cool. that really helps people in your profession because you've got to put yourself in different mindsets. Was that at all influenced when you decided what major to go for? Or was psychology just something you always had an interest in? A little bit of the two, actually. I always had an interest in it. Um, I... When I was younger, I was really interested in trying to figure out why people did certain things or what makes one person, quote unquote, different from another. What is the one piece that differentiates us from each other? 
And um, when I was looking at universities and kind of deciding what I wanted to do, I thought psychology applied to so many different areas of my life, yeah. especially when it comes to work and understanding people. And every time you get a script or a character breakdown, it's like a lesson on life in a way. You get to see the world through a new perspective. Um, so, so a combo of the two. It was something I'd always been interested in, but it definitely was emphasized and reiterated through everything else that I was doing. Do you have any aspect you particularly feel like you're going to focus on, be it uh, Freudian, Rogerian, any behaviorism, anything like that at all? Do you know yet, or are you kind of just taking the broad steps at the moment? I, I'm still in the stages of taking a broad step. I do have to specify soon, so I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> um, but I haven't picked, <laughs> picked a specific specification yet. Perfect. And it's very exciting just to see your talent rise. I mean, just the, the journey that Penny herself as a character has been on over the course of these three seasons. And I'm sure we'll have plenty more to look forward to. Are there any other projects that either you're acting in or directing that we can watch for you coming up soon? Yes, I just wrapped a film at the end of October that I'm very excited for. Um, I'm super passionate about it. It was a labor of love. And I, I can't give very much info on it yet, but I'm really looking forward to it being out. Perfect. We'll keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, where can people find you on social media, websites, things like that? If they want to keep up with you. Yeah, I'm my full name at Nina Sundwall everywhere. Perfect. Uh, this has been absolutely a blast to talk to you. It's such a fun show. Again, all eight episodes of Lost in Space, the third and final season are available on Netflix right now. Go check them out. Mina Sunwal, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. This has been so fun. A lovely person. I enjoyed my chat with Mina thoroughly, and uh, I've only watched the first episode still of Lost in Space. I haven't binged past that one, but there's so much stuff to watch. Um, so luckily, I'm kind of taking it in little bite-sized portions. We'll probably watch the next couple of episodes here this week. But so far, I think I, I love it when a show goes out on its own terms and three seasons and done. I think they'll wrap this story up very nicely. I'm excited to see what happens to the Robertson. I'm sorry, the Robinson children here at the end of Lost in Space season three, now on Netflix. Thank you to all my guests today. We got to talk to Chris McQuillan, Eleanor Lambert, the movie Time Now, and of course Mina Sunwal. Want to make sure we tell you about our movie sponsor before I let you go, which is of course Marcus. Theaters, MarcusTheaters.com is the website. You can find the location of the Marcus Theaters or Movie Tavern closest to you. Right now, it's a great time to get some gift cards if uh, you want to get some gift cards to give a stocking stuffers or gifts for people. And, of course, if you go to the website, MarcusTheaters.com, they have a promo code 25December. 25% off snacks and sodas when you order online. Again, that promo code good now through December 15th is 25 December. You can use that online. And of course, join their magical movie rewards program so you get points for seeing movies. MarcusTheaters.com for the best movie-going experience in the entire galaxy. That's going to do it for us. Again, make sure you check out the Toy Man Toy Show a week from today, starting at 9 a.m. Early birds get in at 8.30. Uh, just check out Chris McQuillan. Look for Toy Man Toy Show on Facebook to find out more information. Hopefully we will see you there. Again, thank you to Eleanor Lambert. Check out Time Now, video and on demand. And thank you to Mina Sunwal for joining us. And as always, thank you to Joey V, my executive producer, for making this show sound as good as it does. Until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you love Scotty Young Art. It's not in the way you play Mario Kart. 
Jupiter 2, good night. Hey kids, are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say Referral geek to me Radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.